step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. An on-demand audio presentation of RedPeachSports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. Jake just got back from New Orleans yesterday. I got back on Sunday. He's feeling pretty good today, though. Yeah, surprisingly. Yeah. Gus Cattengill always feels good. He lives in New Orleans. He joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. What up, bud? How you doing this morning, bud? What's up, man? Good morning and congratulations, Mr. Award winner. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, both of us just made trips back from New Orleans. We got a lot of different questions. We could probably go uh, along those bases. Uh, St. Patty's Day Parade, Gus. Uh, first time I've been to it. That is a remarkable event down there, man. <laughs> so about the what on Magazine Street? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting, right? Um, they definitely have a lot of little traditions in that in that area. It's crazy, just overall too, because you go to back to the weekend before that, and in my part, Metairie. You have a, an old Metairie parade, which, again, it's it's basically what you saw there as well. You have marching clubs, you have trucks, you have floats. And, I mean, it might be like, what, two and a half, three miles tops. Uh, it starts by Rummel High School, and it goes through the end of Old Metairie. And uh, you have a ton of people crammed into a small little area. But it's, it's crazy. You really look at uh, that day in and around this area, and it is um, something you – you, you see so many different traditions for, and in the Irish Channel, which is what you're talking about too. I mean, that is something that you've looked forward to. I mean, we for years used to broadcast from Tracy's, which is on the route, and they have the block party on Thursday. Them in Parasols, and it's literally just one city block, and I don't know, thousand or so people, if not more. You know, for sure, easy in and around that area. Uh, around the porta potties, yes. Yes, the exactly. Yes, exactly. Right. Well, I'm just talking about just on that Thursday. Um, yeah. Plus, you know, you had that that the Saturday you're talking about, which is the parade. Um, it, it's it, it's fun. It, it's fun and it's crazy because there's a lot of history in that little area, and it's called the Irish Channel for a reason. Um, you know, the whole history part of of it aspect is that's literally where a bunch of Irish people settled when they came to New Orleans, and hence it was called the Irish Channel. So that's why, if anybody ever wants to know why the parade route goes along that route why there's parasols and tracies along that route and um, why in that particular area it, it, it's, it's such a big deal, but that's, that's what it is. I highly recommend it. Uh, Gus, we're down, I was down there, and, of course, the news comes out about the passing of Tom Benson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a little surprised. I thought there would be maybe more things that I'd see around this city. Do you think that just has a little bit to do with the fact he was, what, age 90? But the impact that he had on New Orleans in this state, I, I don't think we can, you know, say it enough, how his kind of his reputation changed over the years and what it right. is now in his passing. I can't think of another person that I've covered or just been a, a part of 
in, incidentally, I mean, right? I mean, just anybody in the city has been incidentally a part of the Tom Benson story, um, directly or indirectly, in terms of indirectly just by being a fan or not even being a fan of the state, but being a citizen of New Orleans because he is responsible one way or another for a handful of stories that kind of make or, or break the city in, in terms yeah. of, you know, if he doesn't buy the team, it could have gone a different places. You know, I think a lot of people don't remember what was in 85 when he stepped in Jacksonville was said to be a city looking for that team at that point. And then you had 205, 2005 with the Katrina situation. You know, I mean, he was on his way to San Antonio. I don't know how people want to spin it, make it seem differently now, which is it's crazy because remember afterwards, I remember Jeff Duncan wrote a book, and it's, this is how fans feel. And, and this is what, it's one of the ways I, I can describe the remarkable turnaround. So Jeff Duncan writes a book right after the Super Bowl, uh, you know, detailing in chronological order the, that season and, and where it went from. And in it, you know, people loved him and everything in, in that book. And then when he tells the story in, in that book about Tom Benson and really how they were almost you know, ready to go, um, it wouldn't really matter. A couple of years later, you know, he's out there writing a column about whether or not the fellows should stay or – you know, what Benson is like, an owner or something of that nature, and people hate him. You know, it is crazy because that's really how this fan base turned. And you mentioned it, 180 degrees. I mean, before Sean Payton arrived and the Saints had the success they had in 2006, I mean, you have to be honest, and you tell the whole story, it doesn't make it any less, you know, fascinating or any more memorable because to remember Tom Benson is to remember him in an entirety, right? Growing up 7th yeah. Ward, poor, we all know the story. Um, starting out at a car dealership, eventually owning the car dealership, then starting an empire in car dealerships and things of that nature to get the money to do that. But he was a shrewd businessman. I mean, this was a man that tried to charge parking at his you know, lot here in the Saints facility until they told him it's a state-built facility. You can't do that. <laughs> uh, he's canceled Christmas parties because the team wasn't doing it. Look, I mean, the word cheap was synonymous with him, you know, but maybe that's how he grew up. Maybe that's who he was. If you were in his circle, dude, you're in a circle, right? If you're not in a circle, you're not in a circle. I mean, people are in your station know for years I used to talk to Nick and Sean when they were the Hornets and the Saints were not owners. I mean, they, when I say they were at odds at one another, and it wasn't the Hornets. I mean, the Saints did everything humanly possible to make sure that team didn't succeed, which was crazy because they didn't compete for the same dollar. It just, it's not the same, you know. I didn't understand it, but I told stories of, you know, the, the, the Heart Association or something would be meeting, and they were trying to get the teams involved. And if one was at the table, then the, you know, if the Hornets at the table, the Saints literally would walk out of a, of a meeting if they were there or would go to businesses and go, hey, if you want to be a patron saint, that's great, but you cannot advertise or you cannot be a partner with the Pelicans or the Hornets. If you are, then, you know, you can't be a patron saint of the Saints and there go your tickets and stuff. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was mob-like. And that's why I'll never forget the day we're doing the show. Larry was co-hosting with me at the time, and the news came across that Tom Benson had bought the Pelicans, uh, the Hornets. I'm like, what? I mean, it made no sense. And then it made perfect sense because he owned the market. And it's his business. And so now you, whatever small, medium dollar, whatever, he, he got it. Now, that said, a lot of it had to do with Gail Benson. And a lot of his turnaround had to do with Gail Benson. And obviously, I think your attitude changes. You can donate more money when your teams are worth billions of dollars. Saints are worth, what, close to two bill. 
um, the Pelicans are worth a billion dollars. Every NBA team is a billion dollars or more, according to Forbes this year. So when your team's that much in the black, man, life's great. You know what I'm saying? But people forget, and, and I guess tend to it. I mean, look, the inducement thing was a huge thing, and one of the reasons that they're in the black is because he has one of the best deals in sports, you know, both arenas, the dome and the arena. They're his. They're the Bensons. I mean, it's from concessions to what's in there. If, if there's a concert, I mean, it's, it's theirs, you know. I mean, it's, it's not that Benson Tower. Um, you know, the state took over after Katrina. Part of the deal, they gave it to Benson, and then the state has to rent out space. So, I mean, it's, it's nuts. She's getting a lot of money on there, and I think that turned a lot of people wrong when you don't have the houses and you have the issues that you did after Katrina and the state's giving money to, you know, sports owners. But that's the state and the world we live in that said in the last 10 to 15 years he has put back. I mean, if you're going to do that, then you can't be the cheap owner. You can't be the person that doesn't help people. You can't be the person that doesn't put back into your facility. And he's done that, you know, from the facility for the Pelicans that's um, on campus to renovating the same facility to adding stuff to the locker room to all those different things. So he has changed 180 degrees to the point where people second-lined Aaron the night that he passed away in prom two, and he's, you know, being remembered now and and uh, and spoken about as you know the angel to the city, and in many ways, he is because of his money. Whether it's Gail, whether it's him, whether it's people that work around him that made the decisions over the last couple of years that were in better state of, of mind. Regardless, the Benson Empire uh, has to where we have two professional franchises with our population. I don't even think it's a million. I know they try to save, but you have to include the North Shore, Laplace, and all that. So it's a shrinking population. It's a very um, not wealthy population in terms of average medium income. And also, in terms of corporate dollars, just really don't have that. So for us to have an NBA and an NFL franchise, you have to point up the street on airline and say it's them. All right, Gus Kangel from ESPN New Orleans. We spin this story forward, and of course you mentioned uh, Gail Benson. Mm-hmm. I don't know how far you've read in-depth to this, Will. What does this mean now with the Saints and the Pels, with Gail Benson? And from your understanding, and I got caught up in the wording, it did appear to me that Mickey Loomis, uh, his power continues yeah. to increase. Yeah, I mean, basically he's the most trusted man in that building next to Dennis Lausha. And, you know, it's, I call it the triumvirate. I mean, it's it's Lausha, Loomis, and, and Benzel are the three guys that he trusts the most, and they're going to be the ones that, that have the most say in it. Um, Lausha's going to make sure that it's run right in terms of, you know, economical and in the money and that's why he rose to where he is now because he was the guy that benson trusted money wise loomis is the guy that benson trusted decision wise and that he had his best interest and his back so if that's that situation and again i think the number one thing people need to remember is this didn't just happen overnight obviously when that whole court battle started now we're looking at almost three years ago right um all this started into place. I mean, that's why, you know, the order of succession, paperwork, back doors. I mean, everything was, was made sure to where, as I told people, um, they would happened and even afterwards, there's no reason to worry. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. The leases for the teams are here. Um, 
for, you know, in the early 20s, they're already starting to work while he was alive last year on a lease extension for both teams. There's a plan right now, right? And I think it's sometime this spring it's supposed to be coming out. If you remember, what was it, November? They commissioned a couple of firms to come up with ideas on what to do with the dome. And, and I'm talking like extensive renovations, like in the three, four, five hundred million range of lopping off the roof or making it retractable, things of that nature. So that's coming out. That's already started. Um, then you have the, the biggest factor of anything, to be honest with you, is both venues and both teams bring in to events, whether it's the NBA All-Star Game or whether it's the Super Bowl with Final Force and all that stuff that those entities want. The NBA and the NFL want that here, right? The NCAA wants uh, that presence here. But to me, the single most important thing is this. Tom Benson's now built a legacy that's completely different than it was 15 years ago, right? Mm. So to continue that legacy is Gail Benson's you know, job. That's why it's, it's crazy when everyone's like, oh, she's going to sell, she's going to run. Like, why would she? She's going to the owners' meetings, right, very soon. Mm-hmm. It's not this week, I think. And name me how many female owners they have in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Why, why would you want to do something that ruins now his legacy, but also you're continuing it and you can forge your own now? You know what I'm getting at? She's the one that saved the NBA. I'm telling you, she was the one that pushed for that, that, that Pelicans buy. So, and to rebrand it. She spearheaded Anyone you talk to, she spearheaded from the colors to the bird to you name it. So she's been a lot more involved than I think a lot of people give credit for for the last several years um, to the point where the people that work around them were, have been handpicked by her from hires, from the gardener to the day-to-day operations people at his house to the facility. These are people that have known Gail Benson now for years and have probably reported to her. So she's basically been running this for a while. And at their side and at her side, has been Loomis, has been... I think we lost Gus right there. Uh, it will be interesting. She is being briefed, of course, with NFO owners' meetings coming up. That was going to be my final question with Gus. Just where do we see her with her role uh, in terms of being out front of the franchise? Will she be one of those owners, i.e. Jerry Jones? I mean, they'll be in front of the cameras at all times, or will she be others that, of course, just hangs behind the scenes and lets the other guys three that he mentioned there, including Mickey Loomis, run the show and, of course, feel the heat a little bit more. Yeah, I would assume behind the scenes, but don't know. That would have been an interesting question to get to for old Gus. I asked because we were there, uh, overlapped a little bit the time period we were there in New Orleans, but I was a little bit surprised that I did not see more than I did. And, and Gus, glad we got you back. Sorry about yep. that. We lost you there for a second. My one final question was just about Gail, and you were mentioning a first name basis with her here. Just knowing <laughs> a, a little bit of the inside of the the workings of the Saints, will she now be one of those owners that will kind of hang to the back, or will she want to? How will she handle the cameras, the, the interview requests, things like that? That will be interesting because I haven't really seen uh, her ever really to the forefront on that, but I think, and I, man, I, I'm trying not to use the right phrase or to sound condescending, and I'm not saying, like, knows her place where a man and a woman is, yeah. but, you know, Tom Benson was the owner, and, and you're, you know, you don't understand what I'm getting at, but at the same point, when's the last time you heard him speak? So mm. they really haven't been. It's actually 
mainly been them, if you see them in the public, they're waving and things of that nature, or she will say, um, you know, things like, hey, we're doing fine, you know, and stuff, whatever. So, again, I, I think she's going to assimilate and, and sort of see how how things are run and how it goes. Um, at some point, obviously, she's probably going to to be at the forefront and, and speak. And I don't know if she's going to hold a presser or not, but we know last week, the day after the passing, she showed up to Pelican's practice and spoke to the team, probably to, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a sign. I mean, she went there to thank them for the, you know, for the condolences, the prayers, and all of that, but it's also probably a sign, you know, to that team. Okay, I'm the owner. We're good. Go play. Go get us a championship. Go play. We're good. I got you. You know, I mean, that, that's what it was important, I think, for me that I took out of it, you know, for her to show up the day after that. Because immediately after the shoot-around, you heard Drew Holiday say it was in, insane for her to show up the day afterwards so soon. So it doesn't sound callous, because at first I was like, yeah, I wonder if, no, no. It, it's, she's the owner. She wants to, and make no mistake, if you watched that game, if you watched that Spurs game, Every five minutes, Joel Myers, if you remember, in that game was saying, you know, it's a seamless transition. Gail Benson's now in control. Gail Benson's the owner. She's going to have everything that we've had. Gail Benson, trust me, that's either been text, emailed, or told, hey, you let everybody, because people were tweeting state of influx, you know, flux, and ownership. There, there's, you know, decisions to be made, and this and that. And um, they're, they're going to be fine, but they absolutely from Thursday on, made it a point to let everybody know everything's normal, everything is fine, Gail's got it. So I do think at some point in time, especially in the owners' meetings, she probably will say something. It'll be a small presser, kind of get your feet wet. I mean, you know, you and I, Aaron, are used to talking to either a camera or a microphone. Um, let's see how she does. But I think she's going to rely on, on Mickey. She'll rely on Dennis to make sure that, the decision made. Greg will make sure that she's seen in the right light, and uh, until she gets comfortable, we'll do it. But look, she's active, and she, you know, and I, I think she will make the decisions based on their recommendations. But I think you'll hear from her. Yeah, good point with uh, Benson, Tom Benson. I mean, he was well protected over the last couple of years. I'm sure the court oh, yeah. case and also his age had a lot to do with that. Good stuff, Gus. We want to hear more. What do we need to do? 12 to 3, ESPN Radio NOLA on Twitter. You can chime in that way, social media, if you can't listen. If you want to, it's TuneIn Radio. It's a free app. Uh, we'd love for you to chime in. Thanks, guys. Have a great week, bud. All right, man. You too, bud. Let's take a time out. Coming up next, more on the morning drive. And then at uh, 8.30, we look forward to catching up with Delane Burroughs, Louisiana Tech's head coach, for his weekly visit. they got a big week ahead of them. It starts tonight with a game against Northwestern State. Then tomorrow with ULM before they jump back into conference play. The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Back after this. Welcome back to the show. A big week, too, with the Pro Days taking place at Grambling and Louisiana Tech. Grambling's will be uh, Thursday morning. Louisiana Tech's will follow, I believe, at 12 or 1 o'clock. Still waiting on word from ULM. Okay. Well, with that said, um, when you were gone... Uh Good old Jamie Foxx and I played yeah. a little four downs. Uh-huh. Had some good questions. Uh-oh. So good that I wanted to ask them to you and kind of get your opinion on Uh-oh. some of them. Um, the first, You actually came up with some thought-provoking questions when I was gone? Yeah. Well, Aaron, every four down segment is uh, gold. Thought-provoking? Right? I mean, yeah. it's always thought-provoking. Yeah. So here's, here's the first one. Uh-huh. Which in-state college football player has the most to prove – 
this spring. All right. Can I try to figure out what you said? Okay. You went somewhere down LSU's route, but I'm trying to – you probably went with Miles Brennan. Wrong. Oh. Huh. Hmm. Jamar Smith That's where Louisiana Tech. That's yeah. where I went. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, just considering, yeah. I mean, sophomore season coming off, the the former rock star, and then, of course, with his junior campaign ahead. Yeah, a lot of eyeballs will be on him, and, and I think we're looking for the progression of Jamar to take another step this year, and it starts this spring. Exactly, and you're not wrong to think about LSU's quarterback situation because yeah. that's usually reserved for that, right? Uh, but, yeah, I tried to think about something different other than the obvious. Mm. Um, here's the Here are the two good ones. Who makes the biggest jump in 2018, ULM or Louisiana Tech? Uh, so would this be by record alone? By by, See, I thought by record, uh, when we asked the question, I believe it was Quint on the text line uh, was saying, um, he, he thought ULM because the only way Tech can improve is by going to a bigger bowl. Uh, but I look at it as a record. I look at it as you're in the – conversation for a conference title maybe you win a conference title um well it's pretty easy when you just go by numbers alone and records alone because you're looking at ulm and what i think would consider a nice bump would for them to get to six wins be bowl eligible and then for louisiana tech i mean we're talking another nine win season from where they went with what seven wins nine or ten if you're going to count the bowl game then nine or ten so that's a three game jump do you think ulm can win seven games next year you know maybe a little bit of a stretch but considering what they return offensively and maybe i mean if the defense makes major strides in the course if they can stay healthy and if those guys that did get hurt last year if they're truly playmakers and can make a difference on the field that's the question if the defense can hold up so you didn't give us an answer. I think it'd be the safer bet to Please probably say push. I hope you don't no, answer. I would probably go with ULM. Really? Yeah. I go with Tech. Yeah. I think Tech gets to nine. I think Tech has an opportunity. If you're counting bowl games, mm-hmm. I'll take the 10, 10 wins. Mm-hmm. And that's a three-game jump. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ULM's going to be better. I think ULM's going to be in the conversation for getting that bowl game this year. But I, seven wins, man, that's, that's going to be tough to do. That's going to be a tough jump to make. All right, that was two downs that you had. What were the others? Well, the first one, I I left it off because, really, I think you needed more time to think about it. Or it wasn't thought-provoking enough? Well, it was was which free agency acquisition is going to have the biggest impact. Mm. And see, I wasn't going to be unfair to you and Mm -hmm. just drop that on you on the spot. I I think you need time to think about that. So, we'll skip that one. Who takes a bigger step backwards in 2018, Grambling or LSU? Just considering what Grambling has done, and then once again you start getting into win totals and you look at the Tigers, a 10, 11 wins every single year. Yeah, yeah. And then you just look at LSU's schedule, and you being the biggest Tiger homer out there that there is, and you're even pessimistic of what they can do next year and whether or not they can win nine games. You think they're going to have a little bit of a setback, and if they can only win eight or seven, but then Grambling, a little bit of a setback would be considered a 10 or nine win year which is still pretty darn good. Exactly. So your answer is Grambling? Uh, probably just because of that, yes. I mean, are, are you, you even the – Let me ask you a different question because Puff and I kind of disagreed a little bit on this. I think losing Kincaid and losing Carter is a huge deal. Yeah. And I and I understand what, what Fobbs has done at Grambling. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we have raved about it all year. I mean, the back-to-back phenomenal seasons. 
and, and we know he's going to have a great product that, that's put on that field. But I can't – we can't stress enough how big losing both of those guys in the backfield is. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were playmakers. Yeah. So, for that, I think – But they you also la- saw last year there was a little bit defense. of a shift from the offense yeah. carrying the headlines and, of course, generating a majority. Some would say the reason why they were so successful, the defense certainly made major strides last defense year. Defense had a great year last year. It, no doubt, no doubt. But, again, I, I think when you lose those those stable pieces in the backfield, those those playmaking pieces, I expect them to, to suffer more losses because of it. I, not to say they're not going to still have a great year. I still expect a great year from Grambling. But for that reason, I mean, I, I think it makes it the question tough because LSU, who knows where they're going to be. I mean, with that schedule and with – you know, bringing in Ensminger for offensive coordinator. And it's just who's going to be the quarterback. And there's just so many question marks that I think you could definitely say LSU. Is that where you're saying you're going to LSU or Grambling? Uh, just because of the win total, I would say Grambling. You would say Grambling. Yeah. Okay. What do you – What do you? I, I just like uh, the, the color of the Kool-Aid maybe changing over here for Jake Martin. No, I try to be. I try to look at it objectively and just say, "Listen, this is what they're facing with the schedule. This is the pieces they have returning. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be good. I don't think they'll be great." Mm. So, you back to your free agent question because it, it did. It, now I start to think about it, and you just look at the the guys that have switched in the NFL recently. Uh, Jimmy Graham thing fascinates me, but it you does. said you said biggest impact there. Uh huh. I mean, you would have to say it would be Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. That's what I said. But what kind of impact can he make when he's going in there? I mean, are we talking win totals or taking it that one We're extra step? One extra step. That's yeah. a big extra step, buddy. Yeah. That's yeah. a Super Bowl step. And by the way, I don't know if you saw the news yesterday or not, but uh, I know you're big into the scheduling release in mid-April just like Nick White was. But it has been leaked out that it does appear that it will be the Vikings and the Eagles to start up the season in Philadelphia on Thursday night. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet right there. I'm down. Down, down. 888-993-7762. Coming up next, we'll talk a little college baseball. Lane Burroughs joins us from Louisiana Tech after the break. Today's Louisiana Tech Report brought to you by Legacy Rehab. They offer physical, occupational, and speech therapy solutions for many of our local health care facilities. Whether it's sports medicine, pediatrics, or chronic pain management, Legacy covers it all. Serving locations in Ruston, Monroe, Bastrop, Farmerville, Bernice, Minden, and South Arkansas. Call 255-5980 for more information. We love catching up with Diamond Dogs head coach Lane Burroughs. He joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. Coach, how are you doing this morning, bud? Doing great, Aaron. How about you guys? We doing good? Yeah, fantastic. Not as well as you. Uh, a great week uh, last week for you guys, and it capped off by a sweeping rice. Can you put into words what that weekend meant to you and your program to have the Owls come in here and take care of business like you did? Well, a lot better than we started out league play last year, that's for sure. And you yeah. try not to look back and always looking forward, but uh, to get out uh, 3-0 and in league play and against a team like Rice, uh, just proud of our guys. They uh, Again, they never blinked, and you know, to condense the schedule. Now we got to play a doubleheader on Saturday. And to show a level of toughness, um, you know, it's tough to sweep anybody, um, beat anybody. Uh, it's hard to win Division One baseball games, much less beat somebody three in a row. And especially a program like Rice and uh, with a legendary coach. And, and uh, you know, they're one of those programs, traditionally, they just, they just keep bringing great arms at you, and it, it hadn't changed. Uh, we knew we were facing a, 
tremendous arm on Friday, and we did a great job with him. And um, it means a lot, you know. It's uh, but like I told our guys yesterday, it uh, Tuesday doesn't doesn't care about the weekend. Neither does Wednesday or next weekend. So it's uh, enjoyed on Sunday. We had the day off, and then you know it's back to work, so to speak. And uh, you got to keep moving forward. All right, got a lot of news and nuggets to dive into, and your guy, your SID over there, Brock, continues to do a, a fantastic job. He tweeted this out yesterday in terms of a NCAA stats rankings. Team ERA for Louisiana Tech, second in the nation, 1.89. Would you ever thunk that, Coach? No, I mean, you don't. <laughs> I don't even look at that stuff, to be honest with you, and I'm telling you the truth. I, I only see it when you do, when Brock tweets it out or, or something, uh, you know, I, I think our pitchers have, have done a tremendous job of absolutely attacking the strike zone, and that's number one. Uh, Coach Barton's done a great job with them, number two. And, you know, it's just a, it's a level of confidence, and, you know, we say it over and over, when you command your fastball and you got secondary stuff to go with it, you're going to have a chance. I, I think I think people probably play us, and uh, they leave scratching their head going, did that just happen? And Because uh, we don't have a lot of big league prospects on the mound. Uh, if you come watch us play, uh, our weekend rotation is the same height as me. I'm five eleven, so you don't see many five eleven uh, pitchers in the big leagues. Uh, so you know that that's what makes it special. That shows what kind of competitive nature I think our guys have, and I think uh, the level of toughness they have. But uh, they're doing a great job. We're getting great starts, and and uh, you know when you get good starts and you're, I guess, second in the country in ERA, you should be winning uh, if you're scoring runs. Uh, I know that. I'm not going to question your stats, Coach, but uh, 5'11", I do question that. So we may have to uh, work on that. Come on, you got to so, give me that with my shoes on, please. <laughs> uh, the strikeout-to-walk ratio, though. I mean, as a coach, when you see something like that, third in the nation, uh, that's one of those things that certainly will not give you gray hair. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Again, you know, it's uh, – uh, I, I, I say this over and over. I tell people all the time, I don't know about pitching. I've always been a hitting offensive mm-hmm. guy, and – um, you know, I, I meet with the pitchers twice a year, once in the fall, once in the spring. And essentially my message to our pitchers is uh, I make out the lineup, and uh, if you don't command your fastball, you're not pitching here. So, And then I turn it over to our pitching coach, and uh, he calls the game. And I think Coach Barton's done a great job uh, calling the game. He's been in sync with our catchers, Chris Clayton, Jonathan Parker, and, and with our pitchers. Uh, you know, every now and then you'll see some guys get frustrated or shake, want to shake off. But for the most part, you know, they've been in sync the whole the whole year. And uh, I, I just think our guys do a tremendous job of mastering their craft. And what I mean by that is they, they take their bullpen serious. They take their uh, their uh, six days in between starts uh, or times they step on the bump. I think they take that serious. They're long tossing, they're weightlifting, they're conditioning. And uh, they run their own show, man. And it's, it's, a, it's a comforting feeling to a coach and a staff when you see guys out there taking care of their business. A lot of new faces on this roster, and the way they have been blended together has been magnificent. But one of the guys that returns, Dalton Skelton, and, of course, he's had a fantastic year. And now for the third straight week, Louisiana Tech has had a player honored by the league. How nice was it to see Dalton continue to tear the cover off the ball with his big week last week and then also being honored by the league as the co-hitter of the week? So glad he got that honor. Uh, Dalton is one of those. He's just a grinder. Uh, you know, I know that's one of those overused expressions in our game, but that's what he is. I mean, he comes ballpark every day, and we ask him to go play a very tough position every day, and he never takes a day off. And he just dominates average plays and makes the good play. And uh, he gives us, uh, he handles the bat in the, in the two hole for us, and he can do a lot of things. And 
and uh, very proud of him. He's a college graduate. He graduated last quarter, and uh, you know he's taking care of his business off the field, in the classroom, and on the field. And I tell our guys all the time, it all correlates. Uh, when you take care of your stuff off the field, you'll take care of it on the field. And he's one of those guys. You know, he got us off uh, Friday night, um, two run homer there in the bottom of the first, gets a breaking ball that that hangs, and he drives it out of the yard, and uh, that got us going, and we never looked back, so to speak. Big week for you guys this week, and it starts tonight against Northwestern State, obviously a program that you're very familiar with. seems like every week we have this conversation about one of your pitchers coming off a huge performance, David Leal, making a midweek game, midweek start. He'll be doing it again tonight, I believe, right, Coach, getting the start. What's that like now as you kind of face an old opponent that he squared off against just a week or two ago? Well, you pick your poison. We're playing the same team uh, tomorrow night that he's thrown against too, and he's on a week. Mm-hmm. He's on his weekly schedule, so he said he's good to go tonight. So we're not going to try to change that. And you know, it'll, I think it's advantage uh, those guys probably just because they've seen him. I think the more you see a guy, um, you, you know what to expect. And and uh, but you know, he's been consistent. David's one of those kids. Uh, Aaron, I don't know if you tried to interview him, but good luck with that. He just the, the guy that doesn't say a lot, he, and I. He's kind of like uh, everybody loves that about him. He just doesn't talk, and uh, he gets on that mound and lets his pitching do his talking for him. And uh, he's a pleasure to be around. And and uh, you know, he I know he'll go out and he'll fill up the strike zone tonight. We do know that, and uh, with, he'll he'll have his fastball command working, and and uh, he'll give us a chance to win. He's done it every time out. And he's you know consistency. I think um, is the thing with him. It's it just has not wavered every time he's been out. So. Uh, Looking forward to seeing him going out and uh, competing against a very good club that that is hot right now. And Coach Barbier's got them playing with a lot of confidence. And and uh, I know they're excited about having us in there. It'll be a big night in Natchitoches. They're honoring the late Dr. Webb, who was a president there, who I had a great relationship with. And his family will be at the ballpark tonight. So uh, looking forward to seeing them. And I know they'll have a great crowd. And I know David will be up to the task. Yeah, last time against Northwestern State, he was fantastic. But uh, unfortunately, your bullpen faltered against them at J.C. Love Field. Was feel a little odd for you returning there in a Louisiana Tech uniform? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think if I sit here and play it, play it off and say, no, no big deal, I'm lying to you and everybody listening right now. And um, You know, we got a lot of friends there. Our, our kids have a lot of friends. And um, you know, uh, it's, it's, I did two tours at Northwestern State. I was an assistant there in 98 under Van Horn and Childress and, and uh, then went back with my family. I wasn't married the first time and go back the second time as a head coach. And you, you married and got three kids and, and uh, we had a great church home and uh, a lot of good friends. And yeah, I hadn't been back to the ball field since, uh, since I left. So it'll be interesting. And, uh, but you got to do that. You stay in this game long enough, you move around and you got to play and compete and coach against uh, friends and, sometimes even family, and uh, but we're looking forward to another opportunity. It ain't about me and, and all that stuff. It's about these boys going out and competing against each other tonight, and uh, that's what we're looking forward to. Lane, you follow up tonight's game against Northwestern State. You'll have the Warhawks coming to your place tomorrow night. I would say what the game uh, at Warhawk Field was one of you guys' better performances. What are you anticipating from ULM tomorrow night? Well, I, I just, you know, much respect for Coach Fed. Uh, obviously, we go way back, too. And, and uh, the one thing I've noticed about him, they got off to a hot start, and they kind of scuffled a little bit, but he's kept them going. And they go down to a tough South Alabama uh, team and on the road in Mobile, and we're able to salvage one and play well the entire weekend. So 
you know, that shows what kind of job he's doing, and uh, he's keeping them focused. And, and uh, I know he's going to have them ready to come in here tomorrow and, and uh, try to get one of these wins on the on the season series. And, uh, you know, when you play a team coached by him, you know they're going to be ready and prepared, and they're not going to be sped up. And, and I know they're throwing another great arm at us tomorrow, too. Uh, so it's good. I like playing. You know, a lot of people don't like the double midweek. I think early in the year, I love it. I, I'd rather play than practice because – you know, we're the one sport, really, you can't simulate game speed in practice. You just, you can't. And uh, I think you get better by playing. So uh, I'm excited about having two games this week and then jumping into UAB this weekend. Yeah, you mentioned that coming off your big sweep of Rice this weekend. Now you got uh, the Blazers coming in this weekend. How did they fare this past weekend? Uh, they won uh, two out of three at Marshall. Went on the road, and Marshall is always a tough place to play. And UAB is uh, one of those programs that, you know, they're going to pitch. That's what they've always done, and they're going to have good arms. And if you look at the numbers, they, it holds true this year. Um, they're struggling a little bit offensively. But one thing they do and always have under Coach Shoup is they're going to pressure a defense. They're gonna, it's going to be a lot of small ball stuff, and that's what we expect. And, and uh, I think Coach Shoup, look, he's one of the better coaches, baseball fundamental guys in the country. And uh, he used to be an assistant at Mississippi State when I was in high school, and I'd go to the camps up there and all that stuff. And, man, he's just uh, he's a wizard on the baseball field, doesn't get his due respect. And uh, so you know they're going to be coached well. And, and uh, our league's such a good league, Aaron. I mean, it's I feel like every week you're playing the same team. It's uh, it's just uh, it's a grind, and you got to be ready to go every time you step out there. And, Coach, one final thing, and two numbers I jotted down from this series against Rice – uh, reported 1,906 fans there on Friday. Then for the doubleheader on Saturday, 2,006 fans. And you look at those attendance numbers, and you guys continue to creep up the national leaderboard. Uh, pretty impressive, the support that you guys continue to get, and they'll get another opportunity this weekend against UAB. Man, it is. It's uh, you know I'm glad you brought that up, Aaron, and just uh, so thankful, appreciative of our fans. And I don't, I don't think – they understand when they get into it. And, you know, Coach Creel likes to say when we get two strikes on somebody and they start clapping, his his favorite phrase is the Shaq wants to punch out right here. And I don't think they understand that, uh, you know, getting standing up, stomping your feet, clapping your hands, having a great crowd, it, 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 getting behind the boys, I mean, it lifts us up. And, uh, man, you just look up there and it, it's good for recruiting. Uh, we got recruits there at all our games, and they know they're going to play in front of a great crowd that's behind them. And, you know, our fans are passionate. They get after it. It's it's turning into a great atmosphere, and again, we know we know the drill. You got to give them something to want to come back for, and you got to win, and you got to play hard, and and conduct yourself the way you should. And I, our guys know that, and uh, just uh, very appreciative of our fans and the turnouts, and uh, trying to make this one of the toughest places to play in the country. And I, I know you're not in the numbers, but uh, that's 38th in the country right now, averaging 1,650 fans per game. You'd think if you get that thing close to 1,800, 1,900, you'd be close to top 25 in the country. So pretty impressive. It is. There's no doubt. You get in that top 20, 25 in attendance when you think about the Power 5 leagues and the stadiums they play in and on the weekends, they're going to pack them out. And, um, it's, it, it is impressive. And, again, just uh, can't thank our fans enough and, and very appreciative of going out and spending their hard-earned money to come watch us play baseball. And that's uh, we don't take that for granted, and our, our guys surely appreciate it. Lane, appreciate the time. Good luck this week. It all starts tonight versus Northwestern State on the road. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. That Louisiana Tech report brought to you by Legacy Rehab. Pretty good run right now Louisiana Tech is on. Yes, incredible run.
And Delaria from Lisbon says, I have a question. Uh-oh. If LSU has another subpar year next season, will the seat start to get a little warm under Will Wade? I don't foresee that happening. Um, but I will say this, this is how sports works. If he goes out there and underperforms with the five-star recruits he's bringing in, all of a sudden people, LSU fans will stop um, thinking that his fiery uh, technical getting nonsense in some aspects is charming and start thinking he's immature. Hmm. I mean, that's how sports works, right? I mean, he'll he'll go from being, oh, we love his fire to uh, he needs to grow up. And can you envision a subpar I can't. year? I, I really can't with that. With what he did with yeah. this group, uh-huh. I mean, this group like They say a, chemistry's a big thing, though, with teams. Yeah. Well, look what he did. He took yeah. some pieces from last year and interjected a few more. And, and I mean, he had one really good player, mm-hmm. and that was about it. I mean, he had some some, some decent players here and there. <laughs> but uh, Tyler says how sports works or how LSU fans work. <laughs> good question. <laughs> Well, you got to do I mean, so many different levels with that. And then, I mean, all you got to do is look at baseball and Paul Maneri. Oh, my God. Are yeah. you kidding me? Paul Maneri, he was on the hot seat last year. Can you believe that? Yeah. At one point last year, he was on the hot seat. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And by the way, LSU won three or four games last week. Uh, this week, they've got uh, Tulane on Wednesday, and then they travel to Vandy. It's nice to see Zach Watson. Have a, a big week. He had a big week. Yeah. Back spasms. Uh, didn't even know if he's going to play for the weekend, and then he goes out and did what he did. Yeah, they were missing a lot without him in the lineup. Him being back in the lineup is a big deal. Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, our parting shots. Tom Izzo, let's loose. That's coming up after the break. All right, Jake, you ready to uh, finish strong? Not like your LSU Tigers in that game versus Utah last night. <laughs> yes, the opposite of last night. All right. What am I, a subtle jerk? No, you're not subtle at all. Uh, uh, it is parting shots. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Minnesota! Well, I'm going to tell you what, Channel 8, they've been packed it in, too. They didn't get any of this on camera. We got it. Oh, my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. my God. Oh, my gosh, no. I have lost my voice in excitement. I'm sick. I want to throw up. Hey, uh, Puff, Daddy, Puff Daddy's made his way in for uh, the edge coming up. Is there a safari, or is he trying a different look? The look he's always going with now? I don't know, but I wouldn't question his style. <laughs> the fashion icon that is Puff Daddy. Coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, my parting shot, I kind of enjoy these confrontational things that take place after an NCAA tournament loss. Of course. The reporters and the, yeah. the coaches. Uh Tom Izzo in the season, of course, on the court. What they say it's a disappointing year. They went 30 and five, won a Big Ten regular season champs. But obviously, there's a lot more layers to it than that. Everything that's taken place off the court for Michigan State, and of course, the allegations against him. And now, where does this leave Izzo as this program moves forward? That's the question. So it was a question that was asked from a reporter to Izzo, and uh, you can tell he gets a little salty. You're back next year, I assume, right? Is that the right, even a question Um, that I should be asking? Yeah, Bobby, you can ask that question. Um, I mean, I never, ever planned on going anywhere. From the first rumors to the first... uh, No, I, I don't. I don't plan on going anywhere, Bob. I, uh, 
I got a job to do, and I've never run from anything in my life. Nothing. I don't plan on starting now. So I'll be here. Um, I took too many bullets this year not to be here. Um, so I'll be here. And uh, we'll be back knocking on the door to win a championship. I'm going to make damn sure of that. And I'm going to get the help of my people, my team, my support. And uh, hope I do a better job of handling all the other things. Yes. Mm. All right. Several different things with that soundbite. First of all, this is, I mean, listen, we have these relationships with local coaches, and but at some point, the power all falls on the coach, and you could hear the reporter there uh, just cowardly just saying, He regretted it midway through. I assume I can ask this question, and then, you know, the all-powerful local head coach then, you know, says, yes, you can ask that question to me. I will grant you that right. Well, that's your job. Just ask the question and ask it with some, uh, some coconuts. Don't be backing down to Tom Izzo. Yes, you're entitled to ask that question. Give it to him. Oh. And then Izzo goes on, and then I took too many bullets. Yeah. And then the fact that, uh, you know, you're with me, my people, my peeps, we're going to get this thing back right and straight. Yeah. The opposite of that, by the way, uh, did you see Roy Williams' uh, press conference after they lost? I did not. He said he was talking about that group of seniors and that, and that, that group of, uh, that he just lost with, and he said they were my salvation because he said, you know, I didn't like what people were saying about me five years ago. This group came in. They worked their tail off, and we won a national championship together. They were my salvation. I thought that was a very cool um, little tidbit from that press conference. I assume you'll be back. I assume you're coming back. <laughs> Can I not ask that question? Yeah, I didn't know if – I honestly didn't even think that was a reporter. <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? Who, who let this guy know? Uh, the guy that does his yard or something, Bob. <laughs> yeah, yes, Bob, Bob, you can ask the question. Yes, yeah. yes, Bob. You deliver my newspaper every day. Yes, yes. Bob. <laughs> All right, so uh, also stemming from March Madness, I don't know if y'all have heard about this yet, but a WKGN AM midday host – Cody McClure out of Knoxville, Tennessee, tweeted a four-letter insult toward Sister Jean Dolores Schmidt. Oh, yeah, the sweetheart, the the international lady, the international star. Mm. After Loyola beat Tennessee, he tweeted "F Sister Jean" oh, everywhere. Hey. Very, very, um, just childish, very immature, childish, immature, tasteless. Tasteless, not not even trying to witty. go for a toilet humor. Yeah. So, uh, David Hall from the Chicago Tribune actually contacted this guy and asked him why would he tweet such a thing. Mm. This is what he said: My comments about Sister Jean were meant simply as a joke, nothing more, nothing less. Mm. It was not an emotional response to a basketball game, nor was it meant to be a slight toward Catholicism or the elderly in general. The joke value came because of the fact that we were dealing with a 98-year-old nun who is deservingly beloved by people for her outstanding service. Anything said that would oppose that would create a little shock value, right? Did lawyer write this or what? I guess. It was meant to be comedic. Cheap, maybe, but comedic. Mm -hmm. A lot of people get, got a lot of kick out of it, and a lot of people were offended by it. Now, this is what he said. This is where he goes off the rails. Like, that's not terrible. Yeah. This is where he, he goes off the rails. I don't regret the joke. No, I don't, because of the fact it was a joke. 
For me, I'm wondering when are we as a society going to learn how to take a joke again? And he goes on to talk about how people are soft on the internet, and I agree with some of that. But you can't just tweet out F somebody mm-hmm. and say, that's funny, right? Mm-hmm. No, th- that's not witty. That's not what funny is. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you're 12, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe. But you can't – I don't know. I, I just uh, – I wonder what goes through some people's minds when they get on social media. Chop, chop. Chop, chop. Mm. I like to remember Sister uh, Jean for this remark being interviewed by reporters. You want me to say it again? Yeah. You want me to spoil it? Uh Everyone is rallying around this team, but you are becoming a national celebrity. (laughs) What do you think of that? Really, if I can correct you, international. (laughs) (laughs) Because they they told me I'm appearing in Mexico and in Great Britain. So I guess that's pretty true. Those are the heartwarming stories I want to hear, Jake. You don't want to hear about the shot jot? And she handles it so class. If I can correct you, sweetheart. Uh Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.